Welcome to The Honest Report. A weekly podcast analyzing media coverage of the Arab-Israeli conflict, anti-Semitism, and radical Islamic terrorism. The Islamic State group posted a video calling on Palestinians to attack Israeli soldiers and civilians. At least five killed in B'nai Brak after the assailant went on a shooting spree firing from a motorcycle. Here's your host, Rob Walker. Recent years have shown the tremendous economic growth that has blossomed as a result of peace deals between Israel and a number of neighboring Arab states, including Bahrain and the United Arab Emirates. But what about Israel and the Palestinians? Despite the absence of a peace deal, millions of Israelis and Palestinians live in very close proximity to one another, and helping them work together can make everyone's lives better. That's what Avi Zimmerman is trying to achieve. Zimmerman is an entrepreneur serving as president of the Judea Samaria Chamber of Commerce and Industry, and he's also CEO at Integrated Business Roundtable, which brings together Arabs and Jews who live in Judea and Samaria, often called the West Bank, and helps them work together, invest together, and help improve the overall quality of living for everyone. And while efforts like Zimmerman's aren't always what the news media takes note of, he's nevertheless making major changes on the ground. Avi is our guest this week. Welcome to the Honest Report podcast. Avi, welcome to the Honest Report podcast. Thank you, Robert. Good to be here. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you. You are involved with uh, the Judea and Samaria Chamber of Commerce. Uh, tell us about that. Well, Robert, in uh, 2017, a group of uh, business associates and myself decided it was time to do something to develop the economy of this region. Uh, when we speak about this region, we refer to it as Judea and Samaria. Most of the world refers to it as the West Bank. But we uh, established this Judea and and Samaria Chamber of Commerce and Industry, or the JS Chamber, intentionally with a specific DNA that's inclusive of both Israeli and Palestinian business people. The idea is pretty simple. We're neighbors, uh, free trade, open markets. That's, you know, kind of at the the lifeblood of capitalism. We want win-wins for both populations. And so we made sure that our founding team of this nonprofit would incorporate uh, both populations and indeed our membership reflects that same spirit. So the idea is economic progress and economic prowess, uh, which is again, win-win, none of this zero sum game kind of uh, visceral reaction that people have to the region, which is whatever's good for the Israelis is bad for the Palestinians, whatever is bad for the Palestinians is good for the Israelis and vice versa but rather, again, let's just do things that are gonna work for everybody. So um, who are the kinds of people who are joining this uh, Chamber of Commerce? What kind of business people? It runs a very broad gamut. Um, Well, if we start with the Israeli uh, economic uh, sector here in the region, so the largest, the biggest players are not the startup nation, high tech uh, 20 and 30 year olds of the Tel Aviv bubble but rather the industrialists. Industry is very big here. By the way, industry also benefits significantly from a mix of co-employment, Israelis and Palestinians together. It's one of the reasons that industry is as strong here as it is. So there are the industrialists, um, and then there are you know small businesses and medium businesses, different size enterprises, uh, runs a gamut at, at times, even nonprofits. Uh, we've got Ariel University here, our offices. I'm speaking to you from the city of Ariel, our offices in the city of Ariel, our north office. 
Our south office is in Hebron, but the north office here in Ariel. And so we connect with, uh, again, that whole gamut from business to academia, but primarily business, primarily the private sector. When we speak about the Arab business community, it's somewhat different. Uh, there are a lot of industrialists as well, um, also a nascent kind of tech ecosystem, paralleling that of the Israelis. The Israelis have a much stronger tech orientation because of the startup nation that we're a part of. And so the tech community of, uh, of the uh, Arab community in, in this region will often try to leverage itself in relation to uh, their Israeli counterparts, which is again, part of the magic mix that we have here at the chamber. But there's also a lot of folks in agriculture, also in both populations, but a stronger focus there with the Palestinian community and a lot of merchants or just traders. And these are not people who are in a horse and buggy or on a donkey. These are people with you know, modern trade, but much of what happens in the Palestinian economy is dependent on the Israeli economy. So there's a lot of commerce going on between the communities. And so that's a big, a big subset within the Palestinian membership of our chamber. Now, if, uh, as I'm sure you are aware, if one were to be reading international news coverage of, uh, of what's happening in, in Israel and Judea and Samaria specifically, they would certainly be under the impression that there is sort of constant tensions, constant uh, distrust between uh, Israelis and Arabs. And while certainly that exists to some degree, um, tell us about the level of cooperation that, uh, that you've seen you know, from a non-political entity and how you've been able to bring people together through, uh, through commerce and economics. You know, Robert, I appreciate how you, how you pointed out that it's uh, non-political. That's actually really critical to the success of this, of this initiative. Um, politics seem to muddle things quite a bit. And politicians or political agendas are wired in such a way that people get um, very principled and they focus on um, all kinds of things that are, are not pragmatic and are not today. And we're not a uh, quote unquote peace organization. Um, we're not about borders. We're rather about day-to-day -day living and making things work again with these neighboring communities so that everybody goes home at the end of the day um, happier than they were the day before, maintaining normal lifestyles and, and actually normalizing not only the relationships between the communities, but just uh, normalizing day-to-day -day life. And um, that some people might call peace. I don't know what you call it, Robert. Uh, we all have different terms for everything, but um, that's certainly something that we already experienced. And so we didn't actually invent these connections between Israelis and Arabs. This is something that, you know, the business community will inevitably always find a way to make things work. Again, the difference between business and politics. And so business people are always looking to find a way to make their business work, make their business thrive. They're gonna to try to get to whatever markets they can. And so there's going to be interpopulation commerce. Basically, even when the Palestinian Authority forbids that by Palestinian Authority law, which is the case today, commerce between Israeli businesses owned and operated out of Judea and Samaria is against the law for the Palestinian business person. Um, and yet uh, we find ways to make that work um, because, and, and the Palestinians find ways to make that work because it's in their day-to-day -day interests. And so there are um, roughly 10,000, these are not necessarily members of the Chamber of Commerce, but roughly 10,000 Palestinian business people who are doing ongoing commerce with Israelis 
on a day-by-day, week-by-week, month-by-month basis. We're harnessing that to take it to the next level. And so we've got all kinds of programs, whether it's the Israeli-Palestinian Economic Forum or uh, our participation in some international events. Um, some, of your, uh, some of your subscribers may be familiar with uh, something that took place in advance of the Abraham Accords called the Peace to Prosperity Workshop in Bahrain in 2019. That was a precursor to the Abraham Accords. And that was uh, peace to prosperity. Basically it was, let's start with business, economic development for these populations, focus on the benefits of the Palestinian authority, the Palestinian people, so that um, afterwards we can work on things like borders. Palestinian authority, by the way, balked and, and, and refused to participate the only Palestinian delegation that participated was the one that was sent by the Judea and Samaria Chamber of Commerce and Industry. So there really are um, growing examples of how we can make this work. Uh, but, you know, one step at a time, there are opportunities, but it's a little tricky. And so while this is not a, um, a peace initiative, um, what kind of success is it happening on a practical level? Um, I mean, surely... It is having success on a practical level, bringing people together who otherwise wouldn't. Do you see a, a bigger model uh, for this? In other words, you mentioned the Abraham Accords that, you know, maybe you can just get people working together, doing business together, making money together, um, and perhaps a lot will fall from that. Or, or is this just a small niche that's not really, uh, you know, replicatable in a larger scale? Yeah, I, I do think the Abraham Accords are, are an example, really par excellence, of how this can work. These are two um, societies, Israel and uh, first the UAE and Bahrain, and then the other countries that followed, but multiple societies that don't have to live together. Their, their, their geographic locations are different. Um, and yet, it's because of business opportunities and mutual interests where these countries come together and they have what we call the warm peace as opposed to the cold peace with some of our neighbors such as Jordan and Egypt, which are again alongside our borders, but are not, um, not dealing with us in quite the same way as these warm peace countries are. So yes, kind of again, gets back to the question of how can you, how are you defining peace? But there's no question that the formula works. The formula is uh, can be replicated and it can be scaled. Uh, an interesting example is actually also from the United States. And I know Robert, you're based out of Canada, but it is interesting to see some legislation that was passed in the United States called the Middle East Partnership for Peace Act, uh, known by people in the community here as MEPA. And MEPA is a $250 million program, $50 million a year for five years to support people-to-people projects between Israelis and Palestinians. And what's interesting, perhaps revolutionary about the program, is that they've identified the strongest point for leverage for Palestinians is not the Palestinian Authority, which is precluded from any funding in this project, but rather it's Israelis. And Israeli partnerships are what's best for the Palestinian community moving forward. And so that's, by the way, you know, we've got a some associates in our community that have been submitting some proposals to uh, MEPA, which are currently under review. And we hope to see, you know, some, like you say, things that are scaled, but additional partners joining as well. 
So you were also involved with a, um, an organization that uh, doesn't just help to bring these people together, but also helps to actually find investment for, uh, for these integrated businesses. Um, it, tell us about the, uh, the Integrated Business Roundtable. Uh, it's a good point, Robert. Yes, the uh, Integrated Business Roundtable, or IBR, is another vehicle in this uh, ecosystem that we're working to develop. And the IBR is a group of U.S.-based impact investors, and it's not only from the U.S., but mostly um, folks that have been looking at this region, see, um, again, business as an opportunity, and they also see the the nascent but growing um, tech sectors, but other forms of startups as well. And they ask themselves the question, can we incentivize integrated business or interpopulation uh, economic development by offering uh, investments to companies that prove their worth. Now, in kind of tricky impact investing, is it for impact, social impact, and then it maybe it's some form of charity, or it's an investing and you're looking for the bottom line economic return. And so whenever you talk about impact investing, usually uh, there's, there's a different mix and sometimes even a, a different mix in the minds of the different investors on the same team. But uh, if you can get a double bottom line, sometimes people speak about a triple bottom line, but the idea is if you can get that double bottom line, then again, win-win for all. And so we began to explore this in 2020 with our second IPEF, our second Israeli-Palestinian Economic Forum. And we ended a Shark Tank style event. We had 17 um, co-innovation companies, startups, uh, vying for um, the investments. And ultimately we chose two two companies, which uh, one is a, uh, an energy renewable company, and the other is a digital health company, both of which benefited from some total of 1 million shekel in investments and incentive funding. And they continue to grow. The digital health company is now based out of Abu Dhabi. The renewable energy company is now based out of REL and growing hopefully also to international markets sometime very soon. So it's really exciting to see that the theory works. And again, that is, uh, as you indicated, Robert, that's where it becomes meaningful to have these additional partners. Because sometimes we look to very traditional forms of, of development, whether it's either in the nonprofit sector or sometimes looking for government support or sometimes just the private sector, which is solely driven by um, economic returns and doesn't look towards the social impact. If you can bridge those, which is kind of what we've been working on now, if you can bridge those and you can create new collaborations and new synergies, so you add something to the mix and you, uh, you have the potential to do what we've begun to do, which is, which is further incentivize. Uh, is this open to uh, venture capitalists elsewhere who, uh, who are listening and, and like what they hear, or, or is that uh, opportunity closed at the moment? Robert, I didn't know that you were a venture capitalist, but you and I, we can have a conversation. <laughs> I'm not speaking about myself, but uh, there may be others who, who, who you know, listen and, absolutely, and like that. Absolutely. The door is wide open. Um, we're exploring what's our strategy in the uh, coming years, uh, how we want to continue to roll this out. We actually have a team that's working on creating not just the Shark Tank kind of events, but an entire investment fund, which will... Um, have its ear to the ground with all these opportunities coming out of this region. It should be said that again, it's not standalone. And so it's coupled with programming out of this region. I'm sitting here at the JS chamber offices 
in the city of Ariel across the hall from the Field Center for Entrepreneurship. The Field Center is a sister city program to the Field Center for Entrepreneurship at Baruch College at the City University of New York. And so our Field Center has been the home of the Field Integrated Innovation Accelerator, FIA, where we take these uh, teams, uh, we build a cohort of teams that can work together, Israeli-Palestinian teams or Israeli-Palestinian economic development plans and bring them over a six to nine month process to a greater degree of, uh, of market potential. And that's where they meet with the, uh, the potential investors. And so we're, we're always tweaking the model of what's next, but certainly the, the VC community is more than welcome to join. Wonderful. How can people get in touch and uh, you know, check out uh, some of the work that, uh, that you're doing? Um, you, I'm, I'm available by email. I'm av- available on LinkedIn. Um, you can get me at avi at ibroundtable.org or at avi at jschamber.org.il. And again, I can be found on LinkedIn and, and happy to, uh, to communicate and see, uh, see what opportunities are, are just beyond the bend. Fantastic. Well, Avi, thank you so much for your time uh, and for this initiative and uh, looking forward to following your success in the future. Thank you, Robert. Thanks for helping us get the word out. And that's today's edition of the Honest Report podcast. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to our mailing list, our podcast channel, and follow us on social media for the most up-to-date news. If you like what you've heard, please consider a donation to support our continued efforts at www.honestreporting.ca slash donate. Until next time, thank you so much for listening.